HR Radio Podcast. This is episode 13, and with me, as pretty much always, is Kyle Montgomery. Welcome back, Kyle. I'm back, and no more starting MHR Radio Podcast with a kitten's meow. We start <laughs> things off with a roar here now, because I'm back. <laughs> we had a... Uh... We had Avery what the on, heck was that? <laughs> we had Avery I've on the for show. A week and you guys make kitten meows to start the show. Jeez, man, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> we had uh, Avery Schlereth on the show, and then we had my my cat Mia on the show, uh, who accompanied Jan Wang, who we miraculously came back while you were gone. I swear to God, it was him. He's not pussifying dead. the MHR Radio podcast, literally pussifying <laughs> it. Speaking of pussifying. Uh, we the Broncos pretty, in week six. <laughs> we, we had a pretty humbling loss, yeah. Uh, the team is uh, team is six and one after seven weeks. I don't know. That's the thing. It's much better than I think we anticipated that they would be, though. You know, we were kind of hoping to come out two and two out of the first four games. But undefeated was sweet. This is the first good team the Broncos played, and they got their butt whooped a little bit. I mean, they were lucky to be in it at all at the end. Because the Colts were running away with it. Let's talk about some controversy. Yeah, it, it was humbling, and uh, it was a wake-up call. You got, I mean, the Colts knew how to beat Peyton. You rush him. Not that anybody. You, this isn't the first rushing team the Broncos have seen. I mean, Baltimore's pretty good at rushing. Um, got the Raiders were pretty good at rushing. Rush, Raiders led the league in sacks, I think, when we played them. Um, but yeah, they knew how to get to him. They knew kind of where that weakness was on the line. That weakness just so happened to be everyone's favorite tight end, it seems. And Julius Thomas, yeah, the, the guy is a dynamic pass-catching threat um, as a target, but when it comes to blocking, he's not dynamic. He's uh, He is a vulnerability of pass blocking and run blocking. Uh, Julius Thomas, as a blocker, leaves a lot to be desired. He was matching one on one with Robert Mathis, though. Like there was, was time, yeah. yeah, it was not smart on on the Broncos. You're, you're running the hurry, hurry, and you know you're stuck with Julius Thomas in a you know. But I don't get how in, as an I mean, how does that happen as an offensive line that you end up matching t- Julius Thomas up against their best pass rusher? Well, credit the, the defensive coordinator for getting the matchup they wanted. I mean, usually it's the offense that tries to to protect and set their blockers as they need to against the defender, but in that case, they weren't able to do it. Right, it's as if Julius Thomas was motioning over. Like, Peyton would see which side he'd go to, Thomas would motion over, and then Thomas would end up one-on-one with one of the best defensive ends in the NFL, unfortunately. That wasn't the only weakness. Um, Orlando Franklin was out uh, last week. We had uh, Luis Vasquez in at right tackle at uh, guard was... We had Cooper, Chris Cooper, who was kind of filling in for his is his first full on game as a you know in the last this entire season I guess he hasn't played since he played some spot duty in the preseason or the postseason game against the Baltimore Ravens last year but uh, that was really the first full action he's seen in was six months seven months it feels like longer it feels like Chris Cooper's been out most of the last two seasons I think that's the case isn't it yeah. Uh, yeah, he came back for a little bit, but he came back a little bit early. I mean, he had that terrible injury where his ankle just turned completely sideways. Um, but I don't know that he – I didn't see that he was like the, the the issue on the offensive line. The issue was we were being outcoached. Oh, he was an issue. 
He was certainly an issue. He played very poorly. So did Chris Clark. Those two guys in particular, the left tackle and the right guard, uh, were just swing doors. And the Colts defenders were able to get by them pretty much the entire night. It was, wow. it was alarming to see how badly they played. Louis Vasquez, right tackle, wasn't bad at all. He actually played pretty well. He only allowed one pressure the whole night. So that, that was, you know, you applaud him for being able to make that move over to right tackle. That's a difficult move to make. But Chris Cooper, where he once was a pro bowler at right guard, uh, he was not playing at a pro bowl level, level his first game. We got you know, Manny Ramirez had a holding penalty. They were, and Chris Clark first gets a holding penalty on the same penalty that, or in the same play that he gives up a sack. Uh, Peyton may or may not have injured his arm a little bit on, on uh, that safety play because he kind of threw a little different. At least I think he noticeably threw differently after that. Um, I don't know that he was injured. He just maybe he was more gun shy. Uh, that, that touchdown to Demarius Thomas was a, was an interesting um, spiral. <laughs> <laughs> he joked about that. And they they asked him about his arm strength after the game, and he says, "You know, I throw a lot of wobbly passes. I throw a lot of wobbly touchdowns too." <laughs> it, was a, it was a great quote, and that was a wobbly touchdown. But hey, it wasn't underthrown either. It, it had velocity to it. It was just one of his wobblers. It worked. We lose. I mean, the one aspect of the game that you can't escape is the fact that the Broncos were. There were some John Fox errors. There were some oh times. Oh my gosh! There, there was at least two. I mean, you have the ones that stick out in my mind were the Eric Decker we did not challenge. Let's say that he's standing time. by that. Mm-hmm. That is what is more infuriating to me than anything. He's standing by it. He even said, "Well, media don't know what they're talking about. I don't care what the media say. We coaches know the NFL rules, and that wasn't a catch." Oh my god! Bull, bull. Effing S. <laughs> that was a catch, and it merited a challenge. There was no reason not to challenge that. None. That was ridiculous. He caught the ball, he took two steps, and he made a football move. It I, was, oh. I think we've covered it on, on Mile High Report, certainly. Um, I it's don't just know. frustrating. How, how, how is this guy coaching in the NFL? I'm really, I'm really serious now. I've, I've stood by John Fox a long time. The playoff game... You know, the doubts started creeping in. And in this game, it was like, I'm I'm over it. I'm over John Fox, head coach, ready to see someone competent coach this team to a Super Bowl because I don't think John Fox. How many playoff losses do we have to have because the coach isn't aggressive or the coach isn't making the play that he needs to? Understanding clock management, uh, to end the game, the use of the clock was just atrocious. I'm very frustrated by our coaching staff right now. Yeah, and, and you don't. I mean, that's. When, I'm trying to remember when exactly that play happened. I think it was around. Was it 11 minutes into the fourth quarter, or was it a different play? Um, I mean, that okay. touchdown. It, so it was. It was with about that much time remaining in the fourth quarter. Right. So that I think we ultimately ended up getting a touchdown out of No Sean Moreno on that, but um, the Hillman, the Hillman fumble. That no, one no. Could, we, kicked, we kicked a field goal. We kicked a field goal for that? Okay. After, 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 yeah, so that cost us four points. So that's a four-point differential when we're ending in the last drive when we're having to kick a field goal in order to cover nine points. You know, that four points, we go for a touchdown. That's, that's a win right there. The Hillman fumble uh, while we're driving again, yeah, it's definitely a fumble, But and you, and you, you make a challenge there. They're probably going to see that Hillman had possession on the ground. Because he did. 
there's another non-challenge. And I mean, you can't take your timeouts with you. Well, I don't know if we would have gotten an award. I wouldn't have thrown a challenge flag for that one either. I mean, you do if you're desperate, but I'm glad we saved the timeout there. His hand getting tucked around the ball isn't exactly gaining control. It's more just part of the fumble. And when it's a pile up, it doesn't matter who had the ball five seconds before the rest blow the whistle and get the, and break up the pile. It matters who comes up with the ball. That's all that matters. That's the only thing that matters. And, uh, yeah, we didn't get that fumble back. Ronnie Hillman. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we see a little C.J. Anderson here in the future. Right. You, you know, the Broncos were quick to afterwards to defend. It seems like there's a lot of backlash from the Broncos players against Ronnie Hillman. I think what's important for the Broncos players to to understand is that you are entertainment and you are a product. Like at the end of the day, like that you're here to be entertained and take the criticism if you're fumbling. I think uh, Hillman has fumbled this season once every 20 times he's touched the ball. Like that's, it's a bad product and, and that product deserves to be criticized. If, if, if Coca-Cola puts out really bad batch of Coca-Cola, like they're going to hear about it. That doesn't Coke doesn't come back and fire at the, at the customers and say, you guys are wrong. No, they, they, they make up for it. Trenton holiday, you know, his, his mistakes. Um, you take the good with the bad. Take the good with the bad, but you know, you know that's what he is. You know he's high risk, high reward, and he's already had two touchdowns at least for us this year. You you deal with the fumble, it's fine. I get it for like a guy like um, Trinidad Holiday. Yeah, he's gonna fumble. He's also gonna score, you know, three four touchdowns a season as well. And he usually makes so he's like Eric Decker. When Eric Decker messes up, he usually makes up for it um, within the game. And, and Trinidad Holiday's. Sort of the same, and he, he had that 50-yard run back after his fumble. It would be nice not to see our guys who are under six feet tall getting stripped constantly, but but it happens. You know, I'm. I try, <clears throat> excuse me. We may. I try to. I try to exercise patience. I try to preach patience when it comes to like one loss. But this was really frustrating for me. I'm really thoroughly frustrated by the way the Broncos played. I'm frustrated by the way they prepared. And I'm frustrated by the way the coaches executed. I really, truly am. And I'm not going to excuse it and not going to give them a pass because we're 6-1. and one. Uh, The coaches did not execute a game plan very well. They did not adjust to the Colts. They had opportunities to beat the Colts. And there were just so many questionable decisions regarding clock management, challenge flags, timeouts, you name it. It was frustrating as a fan to know how the how the game should have been executed and to not see it happen the other time out was just did not make sense it was that fox was trying to figure out whether to whether to challenge a play and then we run off you know so many seconds and all of a sudden we run a play and then he calls a timeout it's like why didn't you just risk the challenge there like you're, you're not gonna need two challenges at the end of this game hopefully what uh, he, he, I think he plays everything by percentages, and he'll rely on percentages a lot. He'll 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 talk about it in post game conferences. He'll say, you know, the you got about twenty percent chance of doing that there, and you know that's just not a good whatever, not a good ratio. Um, I think uh, you know full criticism to John Fox and a little bit to Peyton Manning for consistently doing that audible one yard handoff. He, I think complete pass is just as good as, as as giving it to Notion up the middle. We're not going to be able to run. And well, once and he didn't give it to Notion, he gave it to Ronnie Hillman who well, fumbled it. Well, yeah, that one too. 
No, I'm, I'm, I would criticize Peyton Manning as well. Um, it's definitely apparent to uh, everyone tries to make excuses for Peyton Manning, but really he does not rise to the big game. It's true. And it seems like Jim Ursay made it a big game. His comments before the game were almost a dare to Peyton to prove us wrong. Peyton talked about after the game how he was relieved this game was over. It seems like he couldn't rise to the stage. And that's just... Yeah, he's been getting a lot of criticism, um, mainly from Sandy Clough on 104.3 here in Denver, who's, who's quoted him as saying he was relieved. He's, he's quoted him, I think, three times since Monday, um, pointing out the fact that Peyton said exactly that. Like, well, how are you relieved after a loss? Like, how, as a competitive person, is that okay? And you know Peyton Manning's competitive, but I think he was he, – he seemed resigned after the game and maybe even during the game. He seemed resigned to lose this one. And so, that just pisses a fan off. They, if, they, they never resign like that. If the playoffs were to start today, the Broncos would be in the fifth seed traveling back to Baltimore to play the fourth seed in Indianapolis – or not to Baltimore, excuse me, traveling back to Indianapolis to play the Colts who would be finishing in as the number one team in the AFC North. So if everything plays out exactly as it is and the Chiefs stay winning and the Broncos stay in second place, the Broncos at best will be the fifth seed in the AFC West traveling for a wild card game. And that's troubling. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what the Broncos need. I mean, that's how John Elway got over his hurdles. Yeah. Uh, they were a wild card team. They went on the road and it was uh, no – lose situation if you lose you have that there's no pressure on you when you're the road team you just go and you play your heart out maybe Peyton Manning is that too I mean Peyton Manning can change the the entire discussion of his entire career in the next two years just like John Elway did John Elway is remembered as a champion he's remembered as a two-time Super Bowl champion and someone who conquered um, a career worth of doubts and troubles and mishaps and bad teams to finally win two Super Bowls you don't talk as much about all the struggles. If Peyton Manning goes out with three more playoff losses, two more playoff losses, um, his the story of his career is going to be pretty consistent. He had the one Super Bowl and then a lot of losses. He has the opportunity this year to change that. I wanted to change that. Let's let's change the tune of Peyton Manning. I agree, and the, I'm sure you've seen like people drawing parallels between '97 and this season, in that the Broncos lost. Their week seven game back in 1997, they went six and one. Uh, the Chiefs ended up winning the AFC West. Broncos played, you know, away games all throughout the playoffs. Played a far superior, or at least on paper, Green Bay Packers team. And then you go back to the '96 season, compare that to last season. Broncos went out. Jacksonville. There's just a lot of parallels between everything. But um, I guess more bad news that came out of the Indianapolis game is the fact that Champ Bailey is currently being listed as. Uh, is it day to day or week to week? Week to week. That's what John Fox said. It was it was weird. John Fox in the quote sheet said, "Well, we'll see how we plot practices Wednesday about this game, but I'd call him week to week right now. If he's week to week, like two days after the game, he's not playing this week, and that was just silly to even bring up. <laughs> so Champ's not going to play this week. And then there's the the bye, and that'll give uh, him time to hopefully come back. But uh, without him, the the Broncos secondary has been exposed the last few weeks." It's been rough going. They, they did have – it was not smart. Another coaching error was you don't have Quentin Jammer, nor do you have Tony Carter. And I get why you you make – you know you only have four corners active for a team that, that's probably only going to play three receivers the entire game. 
but you got to count one there on turf and then champ Bailey is, is one seat one week fresh from injury. You're not going to have like a fourth or fifth corner. Yeah. Jammer, jammer or, or Tony card, pick your poison. One of them's better than nothing. When you have Omar, you know, Bolden out there who's at this point, the seventh best corner, like he's your, he's your, your safety net. He's out there for special teams. That's why he's activated. Omar Bolden is a quality special team. So we got good news is uh, this week anyway on the injury front is that Orlando Franklin is possible for or not possible. He's questionable right now. I think we'll know more uh, Wednesday night for uh, Sunday's game against the Washington Redskins. And then J.D. Walton, who's currently on the physically unable to perform list, uh, has been out there. So J.D. Walton, the center. Um, could be here to save our entire season. He's not – the Broncos are under no obligation to put him into a roster, I think, until like week 11. Um, so they got plenty of time on J.D. Walton, but I'm sure any any good news at the offensive line front is is, is, is uh, more than welcomed by fans and Broncos. So what would – do you see – do you see an offensive line fix short of one of those guys coming back? I mean, they only have one guy right now who's lined up where he's supposed to be, and that's Zane Beatles. I mean, Chris Cooper's back, but he's been injured and hurt, and Manny Ramirez played for in his position last year and started playing well. And so, I mean, no, without Ryan Clady coming back, which he's not, he's on injured reserve, um, There's that has a trickle-down effect. We talked about it in the preseason, uh, that when Ryan Clady comes back from his preseason injury, that the Broncos O-line will be fixed. Well, we don't have that. We're, we're left with Chris Clark, who has an opportunity to improve. He had a couple of good games. He had a very bad game. Um, he has the opportunity to improve. He has a good quarterback, and he has a quarterback who knows how to get rid of the football for the most part uh, when he's not you know, getting emotional about his homecoming or something. Uh, and not playing a really exceptional defender in Robert Mathis. Somehow Robert Mathis is playing better now than he did with Dwight Freeney. It's pretty remarkable when you look at it. He's the league's leader in sacks. And considering how Justin Houston in Kansas City is doing, that, that's pretty It's pretty amazing. Robert Mathis is for real. Yeah, and um, Pro Football Outsider had a, Outsiders.com had a really interesting fact this morning. I'm trying to find it right now. They, they basically showed that the Broncos had, I think I think Peyton Manning had 12 pressures the entire um, season leading up to to um, last Sunday, and now he's at he had like 13 just just on Sunday alone. So. Wow. There's the, the blueprint's definitely there. Do you know who really deserves a lot of credit for the Colts? Um, and he got he got it a lot during the actual game um, by the announcers and things like that. But cornerback Vontae Davis, mm-hmm. he played an amazing game. And you thought he did just watching the film. But when you look at his performance on Pro Football Focus, who grades every player, every play, uh, he had the record for the season so far for the highest grade for a cornerback. He had a 7.9 rating. That is incredibly high. And he just, he gathered that rank play after play. He was solid play after play. He had no turnovers. He had no takeaways. Didn't have an interception. He had a couple of passes defensed. But he was just solid play after play. He took Demarius Thomas out of the game. 
And that affected Peyton Manning more than uh, I think anybody anticipated. Peyton Manning makes his reads. He looks for Demarius Thomas. And if Demarius Thomas is not open, that takes away half a second, a full second of Peyton Manning's check down list, you know? And that combined with a phenomenal performance by Robert Mathis, who had a 6.4 rating, those those two combined (laughs) for 14 points. Nobody else even had three on either team, I don't think. So those those two really set the tone for the Broncos' upset, and uh, the Broncos didn't have an answer. Right, yeah. I think um, I think Thomas had a total of two targets while, while being covered by, on Vontae Davis' side. That statistic that I was looking for, so through the first six weeks, the Broncos allowed five sacks and 13 hits uh, on Peyton Manning. In Sunday's game against Indianapolis, they allowed four sacks and ten quarterback hits. So they just kind of decimated their own um, numbers there. And I don't know that the Washington Redskins are going to be the team. I guess the Washington Redskins, their defense is probably a good defense to recover. you got D'Angelo Hall. Um, what's his name? Just got suspended. So you got Hall on Demarius Thomas again. But other than that, like they're, they're – their defense isn't anything that's going to win an award this season, I don't think. We'll get into it's that a, in a it's, bit. It's a Mike Shanahan defense. We have nothing to worry about. <laughs> so, um, well, going back to our own secondary, though, we have currently – Kayvon Webster was the guy who kind of who stepped in um, for Champ Bailey. So right now, there's your secondary consists of Dominic Rogers-Cromartie, who's been playing incredible – um, no, he was playing incredible. He sucked the last two weeks, let's be honest. He really has. He's not played well. I think it – yeah, whether it's his ankle or whatever it may be, the fact that – I don't know. Maybe he's just – they mm-hmm. seem like – He played okay last week, but the week before was really bad. I should, I should put it that way. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and then K, – okay, so Kayvon Webster's replacing Champion at this point just straight up. Um, and then you got Chris Harris in the slot. And then that'll, that leaves an opportunity for either Tony Carter or Quentin Jammer. In week six, the Broncos activated Jammer but deactivated Quint, uh, Tony Carter. I don't know what what do you who do you think goes for for this week for week eight. Tony Carter is a better coverage corner than Kayvon Webster, but Kayvon Webster um, is a better tackler. So you kind of take that into account when you're playing a team like the Colts. Um, you you take that kind of thing into account. When you're playing a team like the Redskins, you want someone who can tackle as well. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Kayvon Webster continues to be ahead of Tony Carter because you got RG3 who's always a threat and you need someone who can uh, lay the wood when needed. And um, the the coverage will go to Dominique Rogers Cromartie and Chris Harris. How lucky was DRC? I'm sorry, but that <laughs> fingertip, that fingertip pass defense. Yeah. If he doesn't get a fingertip on that, he's burned big time was, i was so surprised that that wasn't a catch because that was that was a well-thrown ball and it would have just like the broke the back of the broncos had that guy it was i don't know if it was ty hilton i think or was it yeah, uh i think so i can't remember but he got a finger on it and yeah. that was all it took but geez he still got lucky that, that wasn't enough so Topher Dahl and, and Broncos Mike, Mike Gomez, uh, both from Mile High Report, have been putting together this. You can actually see it if you go to milehighreport.com right now at the top. Uh, there's a tab called Libraries, and they're, they're keeping the snap count percentages for every player on the Broncos, um, other than the offensive line, I think. But a surprising fact from uh, from Week 7 is Dominic Rogers-Cromartie is only tracked as having 
played 56% of the snaps, whereas every other week previous to this, he's had no less than 85% of the snaps. Um, Just to contradict that is that um, Kayvon Webster played 70% of the snaps in week seven, whereas in week six, he played 17%. Week four, he had 5%. And week two, he had 7%. So um, something... I don't. I don't know exactly what to draw from that, but with, with Dominique Rogers Camardi only playing fifty six percent of the snaps for whatever reason, um, and then the Broncos lose, it's his lowest percentage by by about thirty percent. The Broncos' best two corners are Dominique Rogers Camardi and Chris Harris. I mean, they're they're a little bit better than Champ Bailey right now, That's from what we've seen anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. When Champ Bailey's fully healthy, we'll have that discussion when we need to, but he's not. And they both are better at man coverage. I don't understand why the Broncos are so focused on zone. When I talk about disappointment with the coaches, that's that's part of what I'm talking about too. They're not scheming to their strengths. The Broncos have always schemed to their strengths. But Jack Del Rio, all of a sudden, we're, we're seeing a lot of zone coverage out there, and the Broncos are getting burned. Let Dominic rogers Camardi and Chris Harris play man, um, play tough physical the line of scrimmage, get in the face, jam their routes in the first five yards, uh, especially Chris Harris in that regard, and – Stop letting guys like Justin Blackman go for 180 yards against the Broncos Ugh. in the soft zone right up the middle. No, the Jacksonville Jaguars just just cover the guy. Yeah, and you saw. Uh, I mean, I think privately we've had maybe our discussions of of, of Jack Del Rio and and Champ Bailey, but you could see it that, that the NFL um, the the NBC cameras had that close up of Jack Del Rio just kind of dressing down Champ Bailey on the sideline. And, and Champ Bailey's not the vet that you dress down probably, but Champ Bailey had his hands up and he was completely defensive and, and Jack Del Rio's kind of all over him. But Jack Del Rio and, and John Fox have never – they've coached together. This is their fourth, third season coaching together. The, the first previous two seasons, they've never finished net less than second in overall defense. So i got to think they get it together. You know, this defense is, is just as good, if not better – than, than last season's. The only missing piece really is Wesley Woodyard and Elvis Dumerville. And I think Sean Phillips is more than a capable replacement for Elvis Dumerville. He might not get the respect in that he's getting, not getting double teamed, but you know another two sack game and, and Sean Phillips is something that you need to worry about. It was good to see Von Miller back out there. He didn't have a big play, but uh, he had a lot of close to big plays. And yeah, I thought he played well. Uh, I want to see him uh, start racking up those sack numbers big time. We got uh, one more play that I want to talk about was this this Kevin Vickerson play. Um, I think it was oh, on an extra point. <laughs> the extra point. Um, Kevin Vickerson, first of all, had one series where he, where he had 45 yards worth of personal fouls. So you, you got he, he gave up half the field just just on personal fouls. Um, top that off, he may or may not have intentionally injured. Um, I can't remember his name. The center for the for the Indianapolis Colts on an, on an extra point. Uh, snap. I, I'm not going to say whether he did or didn't. He didn't. He, what what he says is that he blacked out and he doesn't remember. So we'll take it at that. But that's not Broncos. He football. said that. Yeah, he's being interviewed this morning on, on uh, Sandy Clough uh, again on 104.3, and he, he had a moment when he's where he's not sure. He's, he blacked out there for a moment. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen Broncos football like this in a while. It's been a long time since I've seen someone do anything like that uh, in, an, in an orange or blue uniform. 
kind of it was it was disgraceful it wasn't good sportsmanship it was unsportsmanlike and uh it cost the broncos uh, during two quarters where we could not get a first down kevin vickerson gave the colts four and a half first downs 45 yards and personal foul penalties he was just like here you go here's half the football field we can't even get 10 yards but here you go because i'm mad because i'm mad yeah. Do you feel better, Kevin Vickerson? Do you, are you glad that you vented and got all that off your chest? Because Broncos country is freaking pissed at you for it. Yeah, and I don't know that. I mean, you might start seeing more Mitch Unrine or Sylvester Williams because of this. But um, on top of that, I don't know that the injury was actually caused by, just to be fair, Kevin Vickerson was you know laying on top of a guy who he probably felt cut him low, which is completely within the rules. And he's laying on top of the center and then, Another, I think it was the guard or the tackle on the play came over and just shoves uh, Vickerson down on top even further. So I don't know when the injury occurred or whether it was intentional or what. Anyway, we had to talk about it. It's over. And we uh, let's take a break right now. Uh, we're going to come back. We have Washington. Yeah, I'm in a here. bad mood. This, is, this was 30 <laughs> minutes of putting Kyle in a bad mood podcast talk. I'm just mad. We have we have nothing but light ahead of us, though. We got we got uh, the we Broncos are six and one. We should be positive, but this <laughs> game just fouled me up. It just did not sit well with me. All right, so we'll talk to you. We'll hang around. We'll be right back with we more positive. I promise you. We have a Redskins preview coming up, and then the return of Mike Shanahan. Stick around. show we was was not about happy topics but we do have happy topics coming out of the first half of the show and that is the fact that the broncos get to play at home against their former headmaster mike shanahan um, the mastermind returneth <laughs> this is almost as exciting it seems like jay cutler never gets to play against like jay cutler never gets that that matchup game he, he played the redskins uh last week gets hurt and like the first quarter so you never get to see cutler against shannon we shannon can't get hurt though shannon has to coach against the denver broncos shannon will coach against the denver broncos along with and john the, the, it's just still weird because john fox didn't replace mike shanahan but i don't think anyone's rushing to get josh mcdaniels to come and cover one game uh <laughs> head coach <laughs> but uh top of this all I, off I, i've got to say ian we're talking about the washington redskins and you brought up both jake cutler and josh mcdaniels in the last one minute this is this is not happy topics this <laughs> is I'm, not happy topics at all what i'm trying to plan for is the 22nd uh mike shanahan tribute video uh, 20 seconds 20 seconds like what are you gonna put in 20 seconds it's gonna say his name mike shanahan Show two Super Bowl trophies. 
Yeah. I mean, like the Broncos game. They're right. doing a they're doing a tribute. A twenty second tribute to Mike Shanahan will be held before the before the Redskins take the field as a as a team. What? Twenty seconds is like a a, a slap in the mouth. To Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan's the only coach in Denver who's ever won Super Bowls. Um, I don't think the fans were – there wasn't anyone overjoyed with Mike Shanahan getting fired. We were – you know, people were like, okay, I see that it's time. But there was no one crying like when Peyton Manning got cut from the Colts though either. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it's been several years. I mean it's been several years since we fired Mike Shanahan and he was fired. And he's coming back. has lost a lot of that pomp and circumstance to it. So it, I mean, and we just had Peyton Manning's homecoming, which was the biggest event of the NFL year. Given all of that context, it's like, oh yeah, I remember this guy. Sure, let's give him twenty seconds. I'm fine with that. It is funny that that's all they're giving him, though. I mean, yeah, they could give him two minutes, and I'd be fine with that too. <laughs> yeah, how are they going to give him twenty seconds? <laughs> that is true. What are they going to What are they going to do with twenty seconds? They're going to show him holding up a Lombardi trophy, and they're going to show him holding up a Lombardi trophy, and then they're going to show the final score of his last game against the Chargers, forty-eight to twenty. <laughs> I mean, what else are they? That's that's the story of Mike Shanahan. So yeah, I don't know what twenty seconds is going to do. You got his name's got to be up there just just for probably legal reasons. Three seconds. So you got Mike Shanahan's name up there for you know, <laughs> legal reasons. Well, I mean, people. What's yeah, that even mean? Well, because you can't read. Like you know, you can't do like uh, you can't do a, a uh, like a things have to be on screen for a certain amount of time in a commercial and in a promotion, or else you get like illegal advertising. So if they put Mike Shanahan up there for anything less than three seconds, it, you know, like Linda Blair and the exorcist, you have the, like, people are like, I saw the devil, but in reality it was just kind of a jump cut um, <laughs> of her and devil makeup. And but people were like swore up and down. This is before these things became a thing before fight club came out or anything like that. But I think legal reason, legally you had to have Mike Shanahan's name up there or someone might have a seizure for three seconds. And, and, so- and I am. I think I'm tired because I cannot follow you today. I don't know where you're going with all this stuff. It might just but be that's- talking normal. That's my. Fault. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think the Broncos are legally obligated to have Mike Shanahan's name up there for three seconds. And I think that um, I'm. Ex- I've always liked Mike Shanahan. I've always liked Mike Shanahan. I'm not talking bad about him. I'm, I'm making fun of him a little bit, but I didn't want him to get fired when he got fired. And I think uh, he was a pretty good coach. He couldn't figure out the defense and. Every year he fooled me into thinking he was going to figure out the defense that year, but uh, he never did. The good news is that Mike Shanahan still hasn't figured out a defense. And <laughs> the Washington Redskins come to town with the bottom five rank in just about every statistical defensive statistical category. So the Broncos overall, yeah. and the Broncos should wipe the floor with them. At least they should, they should be able to put up a lot of points. Uh, they, they just need to make sure that their own defense doesn't get burned in the meantime. I I really felt bad for Mike Shanahan. Um, in his first season as a Redskins coach, like as, as a Redskins coach, I just, he got RG three, and I stopped feeling bad for him. I'm really not going to feel bad for him if he somehow manages to beat Peyton Manning. One underplayed aspect, completely underplayed aspect of this is, is that uh, D Mac um, from 104.3 has has a story about Mike Shanahan courtship of um, Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning I've heard, was in, I've heard a few stories about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I mean, it sort of goes all the way back to um, the Jake Plummer days of, of John of uh, the Denver Broncos when um, the Broncos went to the AFC Championship in 2000, the 2005 season, uh, lost the game. So that makes the Denver Broncos coaches the the 
team that gets to coach the um, AFC Pro Bowlers, which is the first time that Mike Shanahan gets to coach uh, Peyton Manning. So that season, that offseason, February, April, Shanahan makes the surprise move to jump forward and on Jeff Fisher's advice, drafts Jay Cutler because Fisher was under um, uh, Bud Adams' rule to and decreed to draft Vince Young. So he's, Jeff Fisher says, you know, to Mike, grab Jay Cutler. It's the, you know, it's who I would grab if I could, or it's who I would grab if I had your pick or whatever. Maybe Broncos draft Jay Cutler. Jake Plummer's out of the game, but he drafted Jay Cutler because he wanted the quarterback. He had such a great experience at, in the Pro Bowl working with Peyton Manning. He was like, I need someone like this. Jake Plummer's just not this. And Jake Plummer was was a fun quarterback to watch. You know, he's exciting to watch. He's not Peyton Manning level though, unfortunately. Um, so Peyton Manning gets cut. He kind of has his his will to do with whatever team he wants. And at the time, I think when he first met with Elway, he was probably thinking that he was going to the Washington Redskins. And then while he's in Denver visiting with Elway, uh, the Redskins make the move, uh, I think, with St. Louis to jump forward and grab the second pick overall in the draft. And at that point, Peyton Manning knew he should probably go with the Denver Broncos because the Washington Redskins just aren't happening. It was actually John Elway who told him um, about the Redskins jumping forward, and they're probably going to get either RG3 or Andrew Luck. And Yeah, DMAC is reporting the exact story that Peter King broke. I mean, Peter King told this story, and it was fascinating. I read it. It was about a year ago that he you know, uh, said this whole story of the saga of signing Peyton Manning and Mike Shanahan's involvement in Peyton Manning lived in Mike Shanahan's home for the last year. He bought, he bought his home yeah. uh, in the Denver area. Uh, there are obviously close ties and mutual respect between Shanahan and Manning. So you have that, um, that aspect of it, Shanahan's homecoming. Um, Peyton Manning, who I'm not positive, but I, thought, I think Peyton Manning may have only lost once to a Mike Shanahan team. Um, I know that the Broncos were able to beat the Colts in the regular season, but they were never able to beat the Colts in the postseason. Um, that was like 2003 or yeah, something. That was like 2002. Yeah, which is a long time. Man- Manning's third or fourth year, he was still figuring some things out. <laughs> Once Broncos. he figured it out, the Broncos never had a chance again. That made me hate Peyton Manning. It made me hate Brandon Stokely. <laughs> Obviously, I've forgiven both of them since then. But um, <laughs> So uh, you mentioned it earlier. The, uh, overall, the Redskins are ranked in 25th overall on team defense. Um uh, passing defense, they are 22nd in the league, and in rushing defense, they are 29th in the league. That's not something you aren't nervous about if you're the Redskins going up against Peyton Manning. How about the scoring defense? They're 30th in points allowed, and the Broncos are first in points scored. So uh, that that franchise record, 53 points we scored the other the other week, or however many it was, I already forgot the number. Was it 54? But, uh, yeah, we we might be able to break it here. The Broncos just might. But they need to play better than they did last week. <laughs> uh, yeah, and an RG3 presents a whole new um, aspect of, of quarterback. And I don't know that even if the Broncos go all the way through the playoffs, they might not need another quarterback um, like a Michael Vick or an RG3 until maybe the Super Bowl. If they, if they knock on wood, if they can make it that far. Uh, there's there's not a lot of quarterbacks like that. There's no quarterbacks like those guys in... Oh, Jake Locker. You could argue Jake Locker with the Titans who the Broncos start to play. But uh, RG3s and like the Kaepernick, Cam Newton, uh, Russell Wilson type 
um, Michael Vick discussion. And, and the, Broncos, uh, the Redskins on top of that, I think, uh, still trying to figure out what they're doing at running back. They got Roy Hallou running for three touchdowns last week. Broncos have the number one uh, rushing defense. And people say that, you know, it might be just that the Broncos are allowing a lot of passing yards, so people aren't rushing on them. But they shut down Darren McFadden. They shut down LaShawn McCoy. They shut down um, Ray Rice. That's three of the top ten running backs in the in the league right now. Their, their running average, their rush defense average per play is very good too. So it's not just a function of the fact that teams are passing against them. Uh, play for play teams are not able to run against the Broncos. It's, it's a good formula right now. That's, that's a one good thing going for them on defense. So let's talk about, speaking of good things, let's talk about reasons why the Denver Broncos are better than you. We're going to close this out, close this show out with reasons why the Denver Broncos are, are better than you. I've got a reason. You've got a reason. reason. Here's reason number one. When the Broncos go to work, Broncos cheerleaders are cheering them on. That's a, that's that's a reason why the Denver Broncos are better than you. <laughs> um, gosh, when when uh, the Chiefs come to town, <laughs> Eric Berry's terrified of thunder. The Broncos mascot <laughs> so it takes him out of the game, so we automatically lose it. So there's there's number two. The Broncos have have uh, thunder. This is why the Broncos are better than you. Under the mascot. <laughs> the Broncos are better than you because your boss is an incompetent idiot who doesn't know how to do his job. And the Broncos have – oh, wait a minute. Never mind. Wah, wah. Kyle is like uh, – he's been working for Tom Brady for I think about two weeks straight now. So he's had a total of 12 hours of sleep in the last two weeks. Tom Brady's just a slave driver. <laughs> I hate the fact that my company sponsors Tom Brady. It really bothers me because you guys make jokes about it on the podcast all the time, and it bothers me. It shouldn't bother you too much. I mean, I think he completed five passes last weekend. <laughs> Why are we sponsoring him? It's a woman's shoe company. Women love Tom Brady. We hire Tom Brady to be the male shoe model to try and up men's sales. It makes no sense to me. Hire a guy that men like if you want to up your men's shoe sales. Right. Jeez, it's not that hard. I don't work for the marketing part of my company, so I don't want to get fired. I'll just stop talking. <laughs> I think I think that you work for a wonderful company, and, and they were hoping probably to get some of that Giselle uh, residual. Maybe she would take a photo with him, but I guess they don't work like that. They're not quite Eric Eric Decker and, and uh, uh, Jesse James doing pitching in guys, each other's. <laughs> guys don't like Eric Decker either. Girls like Eric Decker. It's the same thing. They're, they're too pretty, and they – yeah. Oh, we forgot to talk about Eric Decker's contract situation and free agency, but we'll go ahead. Uh, do you want to go ahead and try it again with the reason why the Broncos are better than you, or are we done for the night? We got reasons why the Broncos are better than you. Here's a reason why the Broncos are better than you. You, re- They really do work with someone who is one of the best all-time at what he does, and that's Peyton Manning. Pey- it would be amazing to work with Peyton Manning. I mean, aside from his bad game last week where he was – pretty inconsistent for a couple of quarters. Here's a guy who knows how to work hard, who knows how to improve you as a player, who will work with you uh, to make you the best you can be. That sounds cheesy, but it's true as hell. Peyton Manning is a professional. He knows how to work hard, and uh, he he knows how to 
help players rise to his level. That'd be pretty phenomenal to work with a guy like that. Broncos have the number one um, quarterback in the league right now, but they also have two of the top five receivers in the league right now. Um, Eric Decker's number two and Jamarius Thomas is number five. We get Torrey Smith at number one, Eric Decker number two, Adrian Green number three, Deshaun Jackson number four, and Jamarius Thomas number five. I don't remember a time, even in the maybe with McCaffrey and Smith in like the Brian Greasy days or the Jake Plummer days where um, Broncos had two of the top five receivers. Um, in the NFL, that, that's I don't remember a time when this has ever happened before. And that's why the Broncos are better than you because <laughs> your receivers are like number seventeen and number fifteen, and you're like, hey, we got two of the top twenty, we're really good. And yeah, try to the top five, baby. <laughs> Who was our guest that we had where we were talking? Where he, oh, it was, it was Neil. Neil had uh, had the New York Giants. Oh gosh, if we would only know then what we know now. When, we, when he was arguing, we did know that. that guy just didn't know what he was talking about. Victor I mean, Cruz, no offense, no Hakeem offense, Nicks. Man, yeah, those receivers are not better than the Broncos receivers. That was that was that was pretty preposterous. As objective as a fan, I'm sorry, as subjective as a fan as I am, I can admit when another team had a better offensive talent at a position or any kind of talent at a position than our team does, I can admit that the Kansas City Chiefs have a better defensive line than the Broncos do. I can admit that <laughs> they do, and <laughs> Ian's shaking his head like they don't. But I can, I can admit it. I'm, uh, I'm shaking my he head. Could, <laughs> he could not admit that the Broncos' wide receivers were better than the Giants' wide receivers. Well, he proposed it. Like he didn't. It wasn't as if he was not admitting. Like he proposed that 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 was one of the one of the positions in which they were ranked better than the Broncos was receiver. And it was like, huh? Like you know, Wes Welker's on the team now, right? Like it's not Bubba Caldwell at third. It's Wes Welker. Wes Welker's the third best receiver on the Denver Broncos. Like think about that. And then, you know, the good Eric Decker's overall yardage. Eric Decker's like seven yards behind the, the number one receiver. Um, uh, oh, Torrey Smith is at 629 yards. Eric Decker's at 627 yards. Number five, Demarius Thomas is at 610 yards. So Demarius Thomas is basically 19 yards separated from the first, from the top uh, wide receiver as far as receiving yards go. I don't know. I think the future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. Um, all right. Uh, that's why the Broncos are better than you. That's why the Broncos are better than you. So we got we got a lot and a lot more planned on on MHR this week. Um, we have the Redskins game. It's Redskins week. I don't know if we've we've been very forward. <laughs> I don't think we have Redskins week. Mike, no, no one really cares about Mike Shanahan, unfortunately. We we paid him all his money, so he has no reason to uh, to be upset with us. I got twenty seconds to spare for Mike Shanahan. I can. I can. <laughs> I can spare those. I'm a busy man, though. That's about all I can spare. Mike Shanahan's tribute, 20 second tribute, is going to be the dedication of the Broncos indoor practice facility named in Mike Shanahan's offer. Or, or it's going to be Shanahan Field. <laughs> That's about the level of disrespect. I would just name. I would just name it like, "Here's to Mike Shanahan's defensive coordinator next year." Like just every single year, a new defensive coordinator. Some some joke on that. He'd like it. He's got a good sense of humor. You can tell just by looking at him. Let's like, dedicate Larry, Larry Coyer Field to Mike Shanahan while he's here. <laughs> Bob Slowick. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's a name I have not thought about in a long time. Was was Wink Martindale? No, that was that was under Josh McDaniels, I think. That guy was badass. He was, was a badass linebacker's coach. He was not yeah. anything more than that. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for sticking around. Unfortunately, we don't have any uh, Breaking Bad to talk. We'll we'll find a new show to obsess about, though. Maybe we're gonna have 
Kyle's music recommendations. Kyle's gonna play the blues for us. I like Walking Dead. It's it's I like how it's starting out slow a little bit this season. You getting into the Walking Dead? What about I like Walking Dead. Kenny Powers. Do you like Kenny Powers? Eastbound and Down. I don't know what that is. Oh, Eastbound and Down. <laughs> yeah, Eastbound and Down. I haven't gotten into that show. Kenny Powers. Uh, Game of Thrones. That's not until April. I don't know. We don't have a lot. Masters of Sex. I guess is a really good show. I guess we'll just have to wait for the next Broncos game to talk about good TV. Hey, oh. let's go Broncos. Speaking of, they had a – Jan, you knew this. What was their – they had a – their rating shift. Jan's alive? Jan's alive. Jan is back. He came back while you were, while you were gone. He came Jan back is home. alive. Jan came back home. Jan, how are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> so you, what, the rating – the Nelson ratings for the Colts-Broncos game, you, you were going over this earlier on Twitter, right? Yeah, um, the high, uh, it peaked at the nine thirty nine forty five spot with seventy six point one audience share. I think that's like close to seventy six point one is absurd. That means that means seventy six seventy six percent of the people who had a television were watching that game in America. So 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 the quote that I got from, the quote that I got from the post said that the that that's when it went up, and then the Broncos were were threatening to overtake the Colts or watch you know Hillman fumble. <laughs> so they tune in and watch that mess. <laughs> yeah, so that's it, gonna make poor yeah. Ronnie Hillman. I don't know. Poor Ronnie Hillman's gonna have poor CJ Anderson swapping spots with him pretty soon. All right, guys, thanks for joining. Uh, see you next Wednesday. Go Broncos. You should know that.